Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome, folks, to the Sunday edition of The Big Red Bench. It is Sarah McKenzie Foley with you until 7pm this evening. We are covering a lot of bases on the show, so make sure you stay tuned. And if you do want to get in touch, you can find us on X. We are at Big Red Bench, or you can send us a text or WhatsApp on 0868104106. Now, in Gaelic Games, we'll get a reaction from both of Cork's losses today, and we'll also have a Six Nations preview with Aoife O'Callaghan+. Plus an interview with Ireland Men's Hockey International, David Hart. So let's get into it. And we are starting off with Gaelic Games where Cork suffered a loss in the first game of their Allianz League campaign today against Donegal. That game finished Donegal 122, Cork 2-6. Elsewhere in the Little Ladies National Football League, Cork took on Armagh in Porky Ring this afternoon and it was the away side who came out as winners. The final score was Cork 1-6 to Armagh 1-8 and we'll have post-match reaction from both of those coming up for you very shortly on the show. To the FA Cup now, where there are four games down for decision today in the fourth round. The day's early game between West Brom and Wolves finished 2-0 to Wolves, but only after play was temporarily suspended due to a major incident of crowd disturbance. The FA says it's investigating the crowd trouble during the Black Country Derby, and Wolves boss Gary O'Neill hopes no one was badly hurt. For the respect on the pitch between players and between myself and Carlos was excellent. I thought the game was played in a real good spirit and disappointing that things that went on off the pitch need to obviously now be spoken about and I'm sure looked into. Elsewhere, Watford's game against Southampton finished one all, and Liverpool took a convincing 5-2 win at home against Norwich City. Jurgen Klopp said he had to put his emotions aside to focus on getting the results. OK, it's not always easy, but I have to put myself together and, 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 and don't get it. But I, I, I received all the messages uh, the people send. I'm not, I'm not made of wood. The final game of the day sees Newport County face Manchester United and the latest score there is 3-2 in favour of United after 73 minutes. On the international stage, the last 16 of the Africa Cup of Nations continues this evening. Equatorial Guinea and Guinea kicked off at 5pm and that game is currently scoreless at half-time. Meanwhile, Egypt will look to book their place in the next round as they take on the Democratic Republic of Congo from 8pm. In Rugby Sevens, the Ireland women's team have won their first ever Sevens World Series gold medal. They saw off, saw off hosts Australia in a narrow final in Perth with a final scoreline of 19 points to 14. Moving to basketball now, where the address UCC emerged victorious from their game with catalyst Father Matthews, while Gronabar, her credit union Brunel, also came out on top in their game against the Portleash Panthers. Both of those games are in the misquote.ie Super League. In tennis, Yannick Sinner has been crowned the new men's singles champion at the Australian Open. He came from two sets down to beat Daniel Medvedev. And finally, it's crunch time in the NFL this weekend. In the AFC Championship, the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Baltimore Ravens at 8 o'clock Irish time, while in the NFC Championship, the Detroit Lions face the San Francisco 49ers at 11.30pm. Now, we brought you that final score of the Ladies National Football League game between Cork and Armagh in the roundup, but let's get some post-match reaction for you now. The Big Red Bench's Jer McCarthy was at the game, and first up, he spoke to Cork's Katie Quirk. 
Katie Kirk, obviously, look, disappointment for Cork, a 1-8-1-6 defeat, but it's a young team. There's a lot of new players on the panel. Is there a lot of positives to take from today, despite that loss? Yeah, there is. Like, we know we made a good few mistakes there towards the end and throughout the game. So, like, there is a lot to work on, but, like, it's early days and it's only the second game of the league. So, look, we, we know we have a bit to work on, but Joe, we have a lot of games to try to correct that as well. You must be pleased with your own personal performances. I know the result didn't go for you today, but after the Galway game and your 1-6 and scoring again today, you want to keep that going? Yeah, no, I am um, happy enough for it now. Like uh, like that, there is still a lot to work on as well myself. Like a few misses and things like that. But um, look, there's like that loads to be done and a couple of games to try to get that right now as well towards the end of the league and coming into championship too. It's still very early days. There's a lot of new players that have come onto the panel, so you're still gelling. Um, I mean, that's the thing at the moment. you just got to get a settled squad. Yeah, there is. And you saw there, there's like more people coming on off the bench and making an impact. And like it's all about that now for the league as well. And like a lot of new faces and girls coming on and, you know, making a good impact as well. So like they'll try to continue that and drive it on. And you just want a good buzz and everyone pushing each other on and trying to get a good result at the end of the day. Can I ask you about next weekend and against Kerry? I know you know them quite well. You've played them often enough. Going back down there to Killarney after after winning the Monster Championship, you looking forward to that? Yeah, definitely. It's always an exciting day playing Kerry, and I'm sure that they'll be feeling the same way as well. And going down there now as well will be an extra challenge. But look, it's all to look forward to. And they're a good side, and after getting a good win last weekend as well, like I'm sure they'll be just as excited to meet us as we are to meet them. OK, Katie, thanks very much. That's great. Thanks, Roger. Next up, let's get the th- thoughts of the Cork team manager, Shane Ronane. Okay, Shane Ronan, obvious disappointment, one eight, one six defeat to Armagh. What was the most frustrating element of that performance today from your point of view? Yeah, I just thought our I suppose our ball skills weren't the best, Joe. We 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 have our hand passing wasn't great in the first half. Uh, I suppose we tidied up a bit in that second half and then our shooting wasn't great and I suppose look reality is we haven't had a pitch work done and I suppose maybe last, last Sunday, you know, the conditions were so bad they might have hid that, you know. Armagh were very, very sharp. Uh, they moved moved the ball very well. Their handling was excellent, and look, they thoroughly deserved the win. So we've, look, as I said, we, we we're working very hard at other things at the moment, and um, that's not making excuses. Because I still think you know we should be better than what we were. We you know we expected to win the game today. We didn't, but look, we're disappointed. But it's the twenty eighth of January, I suppose. At, at the end yeah. of the day, it does put a little bit of pressure, I suppose. You know, I think I think there are teams going to take point lots of points off each other. So yeah. it's going to be really dog fight, as I said. You know, it's, it's, it's turning into the men, like the men's division one. Like Monaghan celebrated beating the doubles last night that was winning in Ireland. You know, Derry went down to and they played. You know, played players that only won in Ireland because those guys wanted to play because, you know, it's so important to get points. So all these all these points are important. And I suppose, look, we three points gone today. We, we move on into next week. We know we're going to have to be way sharper next week. Are we going to get sharper in a week? We're not. But I would, I'd hope, you know, that we can, you know, maybe up five or 10% and hopefully we can give Kerry a game next, next Monday. Yeah, is that the thing? Again, you want a performance over that game. I mean, you obviously want to win it, but you want a full 60-minute performance knowing to up it again from what you got today against Kerry. Yeah, look, I, look, I can't question the attitude of the work rate or any of the girls today, but it just, you know, that football skills that we haven't, I suppose, we've, we've very little stuff done, um, you know, on the pitch. And, you know, look, hopefully today's game will bring on a few of them as well. Like, again, you know, this was a real game of football today last Sunday, I suppose, was just... Um, you know, it was a bit of a lottery. So there was a lot of players out there playing, their, I suppose, their first proper league game you know, a full 60 minutes. I think they'll learn a lot out of today. They're in there, they're very disappointed with themselves. They know they have to be better. So, look, I think that's the good thing. We've a, we've a, we've a lovely squad there. We know that. Uh, is today a reflection of how good they are or bad they are? No, it's not. But, you know, we just didn't play well today. So, look, that's, that's, that's the way life goes. 
Can I offer you one positive, which is your goalkeeper? She had a very, very good day again between the sticks. Difficult conditions last week against Galway, on point with her kickouts and some vital saves. Yeah, look, I suppose she kept, it, kept us in it at times. Um, you know, she made some brilliant saves, in fairness to Sarah. Uh, seems to like playing here. She played in here against Mead last year. She was player of the match. Uh, look, she's she stepped up with Maeve gone. Um, you know, she's she's grabbed that jersey at the moment. It's hers. I suppose up to the, the others to get it off her. Um, and in fairness, so she's working very hard. And like the other goalies are with Eric Barrett, our new goalie coach. And, you know, I think she's, you know, in fairness, so I, I thought she was excellent. Um, you know, can't fault her, I suppose. Everyone else made lots of mistakes today. I suppose, look, Gerard, that's life. It's 28th of January. Um, we'll get on with it. Um, and I think we'll look, we'll, hopefully we'll be a bit better next week because we need to because Carrier, well, Carrier carried off. They're absolutely flying. And uh, we know that they're they're going to be absolutely gunning for us probably next weekend because they're supposed to still sparking after the most final defeat. So, look, we've just got, we've just got to be a bit sharper and better and hopefully hopefully today will bring us on. I think it will. Thanks very much. Thanks, John. And finally, here's the Armati manager, Gregory McGonagall. He also spoke to Dur after the game. OK, Gregory McGonagall, 1-8 to 1-6. Fantastic victory for Armagh here today at Park Ring. How happy are you with your over, the overall performance, first of all, not just the result? Yeah. Probably happy with the result. Maybe not maybe the performance. I thought, you know, again, it's probably early in the season, skills levels and stuff. Sometimes you'd be wondering, you know, bad passes. But again, give Cork credit as regards if you don't come down here. I've never came to Cork and got any easy points. So, obviously, from our point of play point of view the players attitude I thought they defended very well and again the likes of Amy Mack and getting turnovers and blocks and you know if you have one of the best forwards in Ireland doing that for you it just sends a real thing sorry to the team like I thought it would work it in fairness Cork obviously had the chances as well like was trying to limit the, the damage that Kayla Cork could do this and obviously we moved Kate to under and she didn't obviously quite her sufficiently but it was enough to try and maybe get over the line and thankfully get the three points yeah, it was like the way you transitioned from defence as well was very impressive because you were on the back foot at times in this game, but yeah. you didn't keep, you kept your cool. Now you kicked as many wides as Cork did, that's yeah. something to work on. Yeah. But the manner in which you transitioned and the speed that you do it, you must be very pleased with that. Yeah, that was the big thing when I looked at the team, obviously been involved with Clan Iron, but also looking at the likes of Lauren McConville, Ethan McCoy, you know, we have a serious pace in the team, and what sort of saying is, we can actually play both. We can nearly try and go after it if it's against the breeze or whatever, but that sort of quick transition. Now, obviously, what we're wanting to try and add into it is that ability to kick long into the likes of Amy as well. So, we're a team, you don't want a team sort of saying, well, you're a half pass and running team. If you can mix it up, then you sort of can throw different things at different people in different days. And thankfully, that's, but in fairness, you wouldn't want to be chasing some of the young girls down the field. Like, so. Um, two wins out of two. You've come up from Division 2. That's about as much as you could ask for from your players. But what's the remainder of the league for you? I mean, is there a point that when you know you're safe, uh, not being too negative, that you might start to experiment? Or are you looking to really kick on in the league this year? big thing for us was take every game as comes. And I, I also says, obviously, we have a young panel in there. And we told them that, you know, anytime you're given a, an Armagh jersey, we want you to believe that you've earned it. We're not, the guy would never have been somebody as, oh, sure, we'll treat it. I don't think we're, we're, we're Dublin or maybe the likes of them teams we're being where you can try to do it. I think we need to build that confidence. And obviously, we've got at home next week. They have lost two. So they'll be coming, obviously, wounded as well. So the girl point is we take every game. And obviously, the big thing for us is, we go train, we go nearly 45, 50 minute match Tuesday night. And we say to people is, if you want to get your starting team or your jersey, you're in the Tuesday night. And like in fairness, or in-house, I know people always say it's your ABs, but our mixed games is, like we have a young girl there, Millie Lavery, she's only 18 out of minor last year. And she was pitting the common there, pin of her collar. So she didn't make the match day squad. We named 26. She didn't make it to, uh, for this week because it can't be late. But she's already been told she'll be in the starting 26 for against Galway. So then we think everybody's fighting for an individual battle regards if you come in panel 37 or the 37 if you come in and believe and you're fighting for something every night so that's obviously went after and hopefully that continues right the league like. 
Good stuff and make the journey home that bit sweeter. Yeah, well done. Sweeter, Jared. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks very much. All the yeah. Certainly some positive signals moving forward for Cork, but room for improvement as well as they continue to get momentum building early in their season. We're sticking with Gaelic Games now. As we know, Donegal beat Cork in Bally Buffet this afternoon in the Allianz League and Cork boss John Cleary spoke to Ashing O'Reilly from off the ball after the game to give his reaction. John, hard luck out there today. I suppose not the result you would have liked, but Bally Buffet, it's not an easy place to come to. No, in fairness, we were expecting a tough challenge when we came up here and that's what we got. Um, I think two things happened. We didn't show up today and Donegal were very good and you know that's you got the result you got then with the combination of those two things. Yeah, and tough conditions out there as well and unfortunately for Cork, the wind actually died down and it was extremely strong in that first half. It was, yeah. There was a gale blowing there the first half and then the, you know, the, 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 the second half it did die down. But look, that wasn't the reason we lost today. Um, Donegal played the better football. They outfought us, they outtaught us and they moved the ball much better and much quicker and that's the reason they won today. Missing quite a number of players today as well though. Ah, yeah, I think both sides were really, you know what I mean? But, you know, that's the nature of the game now. There's a lot of injuries and, and uh, so we had guys there that pl- played the McGrath Cup and, you know, we thought stood up to it. But today was a different level and they, um, you know, uh, we just couldn't get to the pitch of it. A lot of our players couldn't get up to the speed of it today and, and Donegal were better than us and deserved their victory. And so far for Cork, you know, it's been a positive start. This is just one result, but it's been a positive start and going off last year as well, an All-Ireland quarter-final, you can feel things are building? Well, look, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to reassess after today now. This is the bread and butter of, of, of where, you know, you're judged on and where you want to be. I suppose the lucky thing about it, look, we have just a week to get um, to get going again. Um, we lost the la- first match of the la- league last year to meet and we, we bounced back the following week. So that's what we've got to do again now. Um, today now we've just got to learn the lessons of it and, and back to the drawing board and, and see can we get the result on the road again next week. And next week it's loud. Absolutely, yeah. Look, we went to RD last year, Loud beat us. Um, we beat them in the championship by a couple of points, so there was nothing in it those two games, and I can't see that they'll be any different next uh, Sunday. You're back on the road now. It's quite a journey back to court. It is, yeah. But look, um, it's a lot longer journey when, when you know, when after a performance like that. But you know, that's that's the way it goes. Um, as I said, we're back to the drawing board. A lot of lessons to be learned from it, and hopefully, we can learn from it and and get going again. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for your time. No Cheers. Thank you. We're switching focus to hockey now because last weekend saw the Irish men's hockey team make history as they booked their place in the 2024 Olympic Games this summer in Paris. They defeated South Korea in Valencia to book their seats on the plane to Paris and gain some measure of revenge for 2012 when South Korea beat Ireland in the final of that qualifying tournament. Cork's David Hart is Ireland's goalkeeper and Rory has been speaking to him. All right, I am delighted to be joined on the line by Olympian, Mr. David Hart. David, um, first off, buddy, congratulations, man. It's just such an incredible achievement to make the Olympic Games again, and you must be just over the moon. Yeah, thanks, Rory. Um, still kind of trying to process it all, being very honest. Um, as I said, a bit of a fog, but a bit of the celebrations and the hangover that are still obviously staying with me, but... Uh, it's again, it's 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 surreal. It really is like to get over the line again for another Olympic Games, having fell short on a couple of occasions back in 2012. Of course, the infamous one back in 2019 in Vancouver, and for I think I was the only part one in the squad. Definitely, that was back in 2008 <laughs> when we missed out in the Beijing qualifier as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal feeling. I can only imagine. I mean, like 
when the whistle goes, you've beaten South Korea, you've realised that you've qualified for the Olympics. I mean, like, how would you react as watching, like, there's people dropping to their knees, there's people running all over all over the place. How would you react? I think my knees gave away as well. Like, I'm not usually like that. Like, you know, I've been around in big games, you know, whether a club or country, and there's been some massive achievements. For some reason, it's just the emotion of everything. I think... Uh, it was, you know, thinking of where we've come from as a group um, and the boys who've been there back in 2019 for that misqualifying. Um, you know, you're thinking of family, friends, everybody's gotten you along that way. And, the, and to get the hear the final hooter and to realise that you've done what's needed of you, you know, as a group and uh, individually and collectively to get over the line. Uh, we're just, we were just absolutely delighted. Um, as I said, it was a bit dusty out there. So um, we all ended up celebrating together. Okay, yeah, and well deserved as well. You've mentioned 2018 twice there now, David. I mean, like, how much of, I suppose, a motivating factor was that heading into this cycle? Again, there was nine of the group there now that was back there in Vancouver at that time for the uh, the balkle that happened. I suppose we can, you know, forget about it now, but it was a bit of an inspiring factor for us as well to give us a bit of an extra boost to go, right, listen, we're going to get over that line because... I think I said it myself, I was actually injured for that. We had a last kind of test match before we flew out to Vancouver and I got injured during a penalty shootout. So I wasn't actually playing, but I said to myself, sitting on the sideline, I was like, this this is not going to be my final involvement in a green shirt or with the men's squad. Mm. Uh, and yeah, just as I said, Jared, just delighted that we actually could get the job done. And a bit of sweet revenge for the loss we had back in 2012 to South Korea on home soil in Dublin that time. Mm. Um with I think about six or seven seconds left on the clock, they got that winning goal. So for us, yeah, listen, I've seen both sides of it now, but just delighted that we were on the winning side. Um, like the, uh, that game against South Korea over the weekend was just such a, a kind of, a, I suppose, a nervy affair for us watching it. I mean, like, what was your mindset heading into it? It was actually pretty relaxed and relaxed in the sense that, you know, listen, 35 years old, fifth time trying to do this at a qualifying event involved in a qualifying tournament played over 230 times now. If there's ever a moment that you can actually say you can use your experience, I think for myself, that was definitely yeah, last Sunday, but also throughout the week as well. Um, and there's a couple of us in the squad now who've had that experience and to be able to share that and part that with the other team members uh, and the staff as well, then I think collectively we just came uh, together really well during uh, this last tournament and to really just go, listen, let's, we're going to do it. Whatever you have to do, get the job done. And that was pretty much it. I said just before the start of the game in a little huddle as well, I said, listen, these games are about finding a way to win. And thankfully we found a way to do so. Mm, for a neutral watching this game, I, I imagine it was an absolute cracker because I mean, like every time you thought you'd peeled away from the South Koreans, they, they, they kept on coming back and coming back. Um, was there a sense during the games like we just can't put these guys away? I think so. But again, the nature of it, what was on the line, what was at stake, an Olympic ticket, no, no team's ever going to just uh, lie down and even though we played some of our best hockey that we had the whole tournament and lucky enough we kept the best for last and yeah it was never comfortable enough to be really like satisfied going right this would be okay you know especially when they took their keeper off in the last five minutes they went to 11 field players and they were just like launching attacks on our circle the whole time and our defense really kind of stood tall and really did what needed to be to do really and was resilient in the end and I think just, yeah, just the relief of it as well. And I think that was probably an awful lot of why the emotions came out as well. Because like you said, it wasn't just that you've won the game 4-1 or something. It was, it was in pretty dramatic style. When um, Korea thought they'd equalised, they thought they'd made it 4-4. The video umpire rules it out. I mean, like, what's the thought process there? I mean, like, I'd imagine your emotions changed quite quickly. Or did you have a feeling that it was going to be ruled out? 
Yeah, I yeah. well, the first thought is I'm going to kill my defender who dribbled back in front of me and slapped it into the stick <laughs> of the Korean. But uh, uh, Lukey, he was laughing. We were able to joke about it after the game, of course. I, I knew it straight away. Um, it had come off of the Korean stick up onto my onto my body protector, and I saw it literally come off me onto his back. Uh, and I knew straight away if there was hopefully going to be some camera angle there. And I had spoken to the referee, and I suppose it was, it was a bit strange because that umpire, the the German man Ben, he was also the umpire we had back in 2019 in. Right. Cooper. So I'm not saying that some things that you know have come full circle, but uh, we got the luck of the the luck of the green and the rub of the green this time when it came to the video referrals and the decisions at the at the key moments, which we didn't have, of course, before. So um, yeah, I think that made a huge difference. But I was pretty confident. I saw I saw straight away, and I was straight over to him to say, "Listen, that's off his body." And he was saying, "Well, then it's a penalty corner." I was like, "I'll take that over a goal any day." So it's all right. <laughs> yeah, and they hit the post as well. It was the last sixty seconds or something as well? Your hand must be in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, like I think uh, the last kind of quarter for me is almost a bit of a blur. You know, you're an autopilot, you're you're mm-hmm. shouting, you're barking orders at the lads, everyone's communicating, the crowd, you can feel it just building more on the side as well. There's information coming from all over, all sides of the pitch, outside the fence, behind the goals, you name it, the loudspeaker, the, the music's happening, and the, the goal jingle first, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, that moment that hit the outside of the post was, of course, incredibly close. And was one of those ones where like either had that covered. I don't think I did. Um, but then the fine margins really at uh, at elite and top sports, and you know they kind of made the differences in the end. And for yeah. them, I saw them afterwards. They were looking for a referral because they came across dangerous and all that. But I had a feeling that they had been given the advantage, you know. And thankfully, that was that one was also waved away. So the video referral guards were definitely with us uh, on that day. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So I mean, like um, there was such a huge outpouring after the game from from back at home, I suppose. Um, after you qualified, uh, were you aware of the support that you had over there in Valencia from back here and even from the Irish fans, I suppose, who travelled over and made the trip over? They were in great voice as well. We're definitely aware of it. The, the Sea of Green, as we called it, that was there. I think that was the big plus and advantage of having the men's and the women's competition in the same venue in mm. Valencia that, you know, that we got great support from both sides and there was an awful lot more green than there was Korean supporters on the Sunday. And from back home, I suppose... That's just the nature of it and the handiness of social media, the handiness of, you know, just being a button away now, whether it's a WhatsApp call or video or news or radio or whatever, you know, it was definitely, we were creating a bit of a buzz around it again back in Ireland and we could definitely feel that when we were playing over in Valencia, thankfully, yeah. And it's going to be the same in Paris as well because it's only a short hop over the water as well. So that Irish support is going to be out in force and they're really going to make themselves known. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Really hope so. I think, you know, having played in Rio and the different time zones you had to battle with, the logistics of even trying to get there and support it and, you know, whatever accommodations, flights, all that kind of things that family, friends, people were looking to try and do. Uh, Paris is literally just a bit of a a hop over the water, maybe a two-hour flight or something, sometimes even less depending where you're travelling from. And I would like to think and hope that we'll have a massive amount of of green support again and hopefully the crowds again will be what they were, say, at that time back in uh, London when there was 2012. I think the hockey was the most visited event. I mean, uh, the crowd in the uh, Lee Valley Stadium there was just sold out and I can imagine, I really hope that would be the exact same because that just adds to it as well. So it was an Olympic Games with everyone that you could possibly want you to be there supporting you and cheering you on and again seeing that green decorated all around the uh, the side of the pitch in the stadium would be just phenomenal yeah and even the, uh, the support I suppose for you just uh, from Kinsale as well I mean like I'd imagine this sport from, from, from your hometown has just been incredible as well 
Yeah, it has been, yeah. And also the local parish, of course, you're over is where we would have played uh, Gaelic and hurling, like kind of growing up. And of course, went to Bannonsville National School and information, WhatsApps, uh, Facebook messages, it, it's all coming. And it, it is lovely, I'll be honest. Um, it's today's now Tuesday, we finished on Sunday, and I literally just finished up kind of replying to people and making sure I got back to everybody, whether it's on social media, whether it's the WhatsApp messages, whether it's those who are still sending SMSs, text messages, you know, anything that you do to get back just to say thanks a million because we really appreciate every bit of support that we are getting. It was heartbreak for the women though, David, as well, minute, just the day before. I mean, like, to have come so close and to have it snatched away from you, you know how that feels as well. So it was just absolutely heartbreaking for them. And yeah, the empathy that we have for the women's side is, of course, as, as you mentioned, we, we've lived it, we've gone through it. Um, some was on more than one occasion and you just know how it is gut-wrenching. There's no other way to describe it. Um, something you've been building for, for, it's not a matter of weeks or it's not a matter of days and only thing that people often see is, you know, that 60 minutes that you play in a game or the tournament, you know, maybe those five matches, but it's years. It's years and years of hard work and dedication, commitment. Um, and I think just unfortunately, there's the, again, fine margins came into into play once again. You know, I haven't done so well to get to that um, semi-final crossover drawn in the first game against Belgium, the highly fancy top, uh, I think, top five or six side in the world at the minute. Um, I really thought they were going to do it and then of course controversial circumstances unfortunately again with yeah. the GB having 12, uh, 12 players on the pitch for I think the guts of over a minute and a half and it wasn't spotted you know that just kind of makes it a, a bit of a sour kind of taste in the mouth really yeah yeah it certainly does alright um, when you qualified for Olympic Games I mean like what effect do you notice it has on the sport as a whole here in Ireland? And are you expecting, I suppose, uh, a kind of a similar effect this time around? Yeah, I wouldn't hope so. You hear an awful lot of, you know, of course, the last and big legacy. That's what, you know, a lot of host nations try and do. And, you know, you're ever trying to imagine or kind of, you know, find actually results in that. But from our side of things, I suppose, from a hockey perspective and looking now particularly just at the men's side of things, you know, we could do with growing the game some more. I think uh, numbers-wise, it's been a bit down in terms of boys playing the sport and everything. And if there's anything that he can do to inspire, you know, certain areas, different counties who aren't uh, aren't involved in the sport to take up a stake and actually try it out and play it, you know, that, that's certainly something that we're hopefully that we can do. And um, it'd be nice in the build-up and preparation to get a few more home matches and home soil as well, which could also drive a bit more interest and get get the fans down to see it firsthand, you know, where you get to meet the guys, see them up close and personal. And, you know, being a young hockey player once, we all have our idols, we all have our role models. And that's exactly what we're hoping to try and, and do for the next generation of hockey players on the island of Ireland. Great to have an old warm-up game in Cork, wasn't it? Yeah, we did sure before Rio's out down in UCC. We yeah. had a couple of matches there against the Dutch and that was a massive crowd as well. It just it'd be brilliant again and hopefully if I can try push from towards a monster perspective, it'd be brilliant to have it down in in Cork as well, of course. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, as you mentioned, you're a veteran of these uh, Olympic qualification campaigns. Um, I suppose you're the, the seasoned, um, wizened old professional in the corner now in the dressing room at this stage. I mean, do you have a lot of the younger players come up to you advice and how to deal with I suppose the pressure of qualification and stuff like that so it's a good one I think um, the nature of it you know being within a group and in a team if there are guys of course who want to come up and have a chat and discussion it's always open for um, 
what I try to do as well is just, you know, if I see perhaps certain players, certain teammates, you know, who might need a chat or just going up to them just to see how they're doing, checking in with them. Yeah, why not? You know, the wealth of knowledge that we've all banked over the last, I think, first cap back in 2006. Some of the boys were born in 2003. Um, there's awfully things where you have to try and be able to share with them. And if there's something I can do always to help and add a bit of a, an influence on the group from what's gone on in our past, I said it's always nice that we have now a bit of a blank canvas to try and create our own future as well, which is also a beautiful thing. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, talk to me about the players in your squad, Dave, and I suppose uh, some of the players that helped you get to this stage. And I think if you see the guys now who've also gone ahead and was a couple of us have done over the years and gone playing abroad and dedicating your life to becoming a semi-professional professional sports person and hockey player the likes of uh, Sean Murray in the captaincy role has really stepped up and really become a key player for us he also won man the match on the, in, in the final game on the Sunday as well um, plenty of other lads you know who have put in a shift also for the last number of years and, and really have had also some difficult moments in the past, in the last few months in the year, whether that's personal circumstances, um, private issues. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, as I said earlier, it's not just what you see on that hockey pitch for that 60 minutes. You know, that's like kind of the, the end product. But there, there's always uh, there's always things there that go a bit unnoticed and probably wouldn't be talked about Um and I think as a group, we've we've come through an awful lot together. Uh, a big moment during the summer when one of our players had unfortunately lost their girlfriend uh, to uh, difficult circumstances um, just before the tournament started. And, and that player, I couldn't have been happier for him in the final whistle, you know. Um, things like that that just don't really actually get seen. And that kind of builds the bond and connection within the group. Um, and that really drove us on together. And uh, hopefully that will do the same because, again, there's nothing quite like selection going towards Olympic Games with only 16 places up for grabs and most of these tournaments you travel to is with 18. Um, but at the same time, I think we're in a good place and hopefully it can only drive us on to become better players moving forward. Indeed, indeed, indeed. You don't have uh, much time to rest in your laurels. I suppose you're back in action in the Pro League in a couple of weeks in India. That's it, 2nd of February, heading over there to play eight matches, I think it is in total, over in India for about 26, 27 days, which will be a phenomenal experience. You're playing in crazy hockey mad country where you get thousands of fans and supporters and for majority of the group I don't think they have played there there'll be a good few uh, a couple of lads of course played in the World Cup back in 2018 there and have an understanding of what it's like but yeah it's, uh, it's like I said to the guys it's one of those things you have to experience and we're fortunate enough to have matches now against top ranked nations in the world in preparation because of the Pro League, you're playing against the Dutch, you're playing against India, you're playing against um, the likes of Spain, you're, you're going to be playing top eight, nine, ten, and that's where you want to be at. That's the teams you want to be playing against and rubbing shoulders with constantly to try and keep checking where you're at as a group moving forward in what is probably the most important period building up for yeah, the end of July this summer. So, um, yeah, it's a, I think it'd be difficult, of course, a quick turnaround, of course, after what happened this tournament, but the, the nature of it, that there's an extended squad that you can have for this pro league, I think it will also allow some other boys to stake a claim as well for places in the squad moving forward, which again, will be healthy competition and again, hopefully just make us better heading towards the Olympic Games. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, David, absolute pleasure talking to you today, sir. Congratulations on the qualification again. I'm sure we'll shot you before the Olympics again, but a huge congratulations uh, to you from everyone here on Cork FM. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench, folks, with myself, Sarah McKenzie Foley. It is time to go back to Gaelic Games now because the Cork Intermediates got their 2024 Camogie National League Division 2B campaign 
off to the best possible start with a 110 to 9 points victory away to Tipperary at the Rag on Saturday afternoon. Cork built an early 5 point lead and were 7 points up to 2 ahead of the break and it was in a game played on a heavy pitch in fairness Lauren Homan's second half goal ensured that the Rebels ran out deserving winners and the big red benches Jer McCarthy spoke to Cork manager Donny Daly shortly after the final whistle to get his reaction to his team's superb victory. Now I'm joined here on the big red bench by the Cork Intermediate Camogie manager Donny Daly following his side's fantastic opening National League Division 2B very Camogie League victory at the rag today in Tipperary 110 to 9 points over Tipperary Donny first of all congratulations uh, considering you're, you're not in the job long I would imagine there is a bit of relief tinged with happiness with that result I uh, yeah, there is there. Um, look, we've been together. I think for the two weeks at this stage, um, we've had no session on grass. We've been up in Yaster and Glenfill, uh, three sessions, um, and we've girls playing with MTU and uh, UCC during the week. So, look, our preparation has been very kind of, I suppose, disjointed, uh, to say the least. So, look, getting a result today, um, you know, whatever the score was, it was uh, a relief just to get over the line, you know. Um, because you haven't had much time ho- together with with this particular squad, Donny, and getting your backroom team in and all the things you have to do when you become an intercounty manager, how much did your knowledge of the players that you you were going to be working with help you? I uh, look, I suppose the management team and myself, we've been been on the scene for a couple of years. Myself, John Maloney, um, we've we, we know these girls very well. Uh, we obviously watched the interview as well last year, um, but I suppose the key for us going forward this year is introducing new players we've lost I think 12 off of last year's panels you know between either retirement or injury or you know just travelling so we've had to kind of almost um, rebuild from from, from scratch uh, to a certain degree um, we made a conscious decision when we were um, I suppose looking at a uh, panel uh, which we have we, we haven't named we won't be naming until after the league of introducing girls that have just come out of minor. So again, like we have, I think, 10 minor, uh, former minors on the panel from last year. Five of us started today. So, you know, um, we've told them all they'll all get a chance. Um, we, we've no bias towards anybody. We Look, we know these girls from, you know, under 16 as well. Uh, we know what they're capable of. So we've no qualms of going in at this level. Um and you know, competing with the, the Emma Flanagans and the Neve O'Leary's, the Lauren Homans, um, you know, Maverings, and, and that's what we need. We're going to have a good mixture of, of youth and experience uh, this year. It certainly sounds like it. Um, that mixture of youth and experience certainly stood to you because you know yourself going up to the rag. It's like a cliche. It's never easy, no matter what grade you're playing tip at. And you would have seen the result, not necessarily the performance of the Cork Miners who lost, unfortunately, their opening game in Tipperary the previous weekend. Did that just kind of help steady the nerves or kind of focus minds before you went out? Yeah, definitely. Look, I was at that game, the minor game last week. Um, that was, again, a tough slot. I knew what the, the pitch was like. Um, it wasn't uh, a place for you know fancy stuff. It was basically a slog. Um, you need you needed experience today. You needed it last week. You needed um, you know to be strong over the ball. You know it, it, it's a very soft pitch and it's very soft today. Um, when we were I suppose when we were picking the team this week, we looked at that putting in 
you know, a kind of strong spine of experience, but we also are conscious of giving girls an opportunity. And we said to us, look, if we're throwing in a Maeve de Burke or a Creva Donahue, Emer Dignan, who are just out of minor, like today was the day we would, I suppose, see what they're made of. And look, they came out with flying colours, like Maeve de Burke had a, had a, had a stormer, Creva Donahue was excellent, Emily, her sister, when she, when she came on, was, was, you know, was brilliant. So like, these are the games that will stand you. Like you, you learn from these games, um, and look next week we'll have probably a different fifteen starting um, against Galway. So it's, it's about giving girls chances, um, opportunities over the next four or five weeks of the league, uh, and then we sit down and we'll, we'll name a panel. Um, and I guarantee you, there'll be you know a, a big chunk of of. Uh, 19 and 20 year olds um, to compliment the I suppose the more senior girls and like I don't think any of our or even our more senior girls is, is more than more than 27 so we we should have a good a good mix um, come championship Yeah and that, look that's always been the modus operandi of the intermediate team you put together as best a team as you possibly can but the goal is to try and blood as many people at intercounty level and push them on to the senior or when they do those that do go on to senior are as ready as they possibly can be so at this time of the year I, what I'm gathering Donny, is that yeah we're, la- we're, we're it's it's great to win but that's not really the key to what you're doing over the next few weeks with your management team No definitely not and so we had a team meeting the first day we met the girls and we explained that to them that look we would be delighted and again we're not saying this you know tongue in cheek we would be delighted if Germanly would come and take three or four from us because as I said to him if if Gerard deems them good enough to be seniors that means they're doing a, a job for us in the league um, and I said every every girl's um, I suppose dream should be to play senior with Cork uh, and we certainly won't stop them so you know if if we're given an opportunity and they play well and Ger spots them and takes them up great you know like it's it's a bulk given opportunity to play senior. Um, we have loads of girls coming from minor. There's four All Irelands one in the last number of years. There's four hundred sixteen All Irelands one. So each year there's you know ten girls coming through that should be given an opportunity at at intermediate level. And you know if they, if they do a year or two at intermediate and then the senior manager deems them good enough to go up then great uh, and there wouldn't be one or two girls or three girls each year that would go straight to senior um, but it, it's about keeping the I suppose the constant um, conveyor belt of, of talent coming from the 16s coming from the minors up to the you know via the intermediates through, through onto the senior team just finally, Tony, um, you, you you know the game, you know inter-county level, underage, you know, know it at adult level as well. You've seen enough down through the years and your, with your coaching resume. Um, I presume there was a lot of positives, even though you won the game, Lauren got that, Lauren Holman, your captain got a very important goal in the second half. You won one ten to nine points. But were there, what were the key things apart from winning the game that you took out of that that you're going to need to take? Um, uh, as you said, you're playing Galway next weekend now and they beat Kilkenny today. So we know what Galway are all about already in the league. Um, but what are the positives, the big positives for you and your management team out of today's victory? Yeah, look, the positives was, you know, the five, the ex-model, the five 19-year-olds that came in first time playing um, adult in the county. You know, that was, and to do that in Durag on a, on a, you know, muddy pitch uh, in in January, you know, that that's a huge positive. That, like, that, that will stand, you know, to the Maeve, the Burkers, the Creva, I don't know, the Kira Morrison's, um, 
they will take huge um, comfort from the fact that they were able to do it today. Um, the work rate of the girls in the second half when we were against the wind, um, again, it was a, it was a slog. Um, look long getting the goal just after half time, kind of made it a small bit easier. Um, Molly Lynch pulled off a, a brilliant save towards the end um, to keep us in it. But the work rate, I think, in the in the second half without the wind, um, the the contribution of the the younger girls, um, and again, look, we we spoke to the, some of the the more seasoned players who didn't get a run, um, and they're 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 going to be chomping at the bit now to get an opportunity because you know they won't want these uh, younger girls coming and taking their taking their spots. So, look, uh, it's it's all positive today. It's all positive. Look, there's a bit to work on, obviously. That you know when we get in training on grass properly, that we can obviously work on but all positive I'm absolutely delighted now to be joined in the studio by sports journalist and all-round rugby guru Aoife Callahan to preview the Six Nations which is very nearly upon us because France are going to host Ireland in the opening game of the championship in Marseille under Friday Night Lights on February 2nd but before that we are going to together have a look at the tournament as a whole the proposal here is let's take last year's Six Nations table we'll start from the bottom and work our way up so Italy took their eighth wooden spoon in a row last year and they're currently sitting outside the top ten in the world rankings as well obviously none of those stats are positive but if you look at Benetton you know they're sitting only second to Leinster in the URC so there are some pieces working well in the Italian rugby system they have a new coach which mm-hmm. ha, you know he has a solid record behind him, and I don't know how much full contact full contact people have seen yet. But I watched it all, um, and it actually reminded me how close they were to putting a full performance together last year on a couple of occasions. Mm-hmm. Now their first two games are against England and Ireland, which is a very rough way Baptism to start. Fire, yeah, in fairness, <laughs> but. What do you think? How are you feeling about Italy this year? Is this the year that we kind of see them actually put something together? I think this is a really good opportunity for them. I think, you know, they're the one team that haven't had any major injuries. No one's kind of left them. You know, there's been no kind of major drama or anything Mm -hmm. surrounding the team. Um, Capuzzo's been playing well. I think he's kind of their star, really, you know. And like you said, Benetton, I think this is I think like the way the Six Nations is kind of looking this year is post World Cup there's a lot of injuries a lot mm-hmm. of moving parts I think this has really opened up the field a little bit and probably Absolutely. made it now you know you will still have your front runners and probably Ireland and that in France mm-hmm. and whatnot like but I think this is a really good opportunity for them to kind of bring it closer you know like situation with Wales you know is there yeah. an opportunity for them to kind of leapfrog them mm-hmm. a little bit just because they seem that little bit more I suppose cohesive yep. and stuff like that. So, I think it was definitely interesting. I th- I think they could be, they could be one to one to watch, one to watch. for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned Wales. They were obviously they were next up. They were very much afraid of getting the wooden spoon. I know you want to talk about Lewis Rees-Samish. They've also obviously they've no Lee Halfpenny, no Dan Bigger, and the provincial teams. Let's be honest, are in a really bad mm. spot at the moment as well. Arguably, they have the toughest run of games in the championship. I think if you look at it. But with that being said, they completely, at the World Cup, I think they completely outdid everyone's expectations of them going into it. Yeah. And 
I think in some ways a young and less experienced squad could maybe work in their favour because at least they're not carrying the weight of yeah. the previous campaign. Like there were so many players they are like, this is our last Six Nations, yeah. our last World Cup. What, what do you think is going to happen with Wales this year? I think it's like, I personally think they probably won't do as well as they have mm. in the past. I think, you know, they've, they're missing a lot of, I suppose, confidence and yeah. like, oh, I can't think of the word, but like, the knowledge, that's the word. Like, they're missing a lot of knowledge. Like, they don't have Alaman Jones anymore. Um, Liam Williams has gone over to Japan. Now, he's saying, I am still open to playing for Wales, but obviously there's the whole, you know, nationality yeah. sort of thing that's surrounding. That's also affecting England at the moment as well. Then, you know, you're missing, I said, Lewis Trey Samet. But, you know, we do have Rio Dyer there. True. And he's coming up, and I think he's been maybe living in Lewis' shadow a little mm. bit. So this is probably a really good opportunity for him to kind of show his stuff but um, you know I think like again like the knowledge side of things having players at night like especially with George North being uh, a bit of a he took a knock there a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. um, and he's a question mark now at the moment yeah. and I think Wales are a bit like when that news broke they looked a bit like oh, oh no kind of thing yeah. so I just I, I, it's wait and see I think for them I think they like they could shine but they could also easily falter especially with when I heard their captain was only 21 like yeah. I think that's that's a lot to take on now he could be an exceptionally confident person and mm. good on him and everything like that like Jack Morgan didn't do too badly he was young enough and he didn't do too badly during the World Cup mm. but to hand the reins I think over to someone who's so new in mm-hmm. is a bit like I'd be a bit questioning that a little but then again it's Gatland do you know this yep. is his is it his first Six Nations since he took over again so Next. second Six Nations yeah because yeah. Yeah, the last year so you never know with him sometimes do you know he yeah. tends to he tends to you know Put have everyone he, he tends to be the one you pity on the most and then it that's just so comes true. out of nowhere that's so true <laughs> absolutely he's like the opposite of Eddie Jones <laughs> literally <laughs> I think um yeah, I think Wales are going to be one of those teams where, as you say, there's so many unknowns, the proof is just going to be in the pudding. It's like, oh, watch us up on the day. And I think, like, a lot of people may doubt them because of how badly the Welsh yeah. um, clubs are doing at the moment. Um, you know, I suppose you look at Cardiff last year and Cardiff were doing well enough, but they seem to have kind of dropped off. You know, Dragons aren't doing well. It's just been kind of, well, true. Rugby's in a bit of a disarray. So maybe this is the chance, you know, like they saw like how they, you, they got on in the World Cup. You know, is this a chance if they don't do well in this as well? Like that, the WR, you might kick themselves back into your gear again and mm. try and come up with something to try and figure out, be it opening it up that they can have players that are playing abroad come back and yep. play for them, you know, and give those opportunities back so it's definitely I think it's definitely an interesting time for the Welsh rugby anyway for sure we're going to talk about England next they obviously have no Owen Farrell do you think they're going to miss his leadership or you know I've I've read a lot that Marcus Smith is absolutely over the moon that he's getting this opportunity and he's going to seize it and I think that's that's the type of player that he is do you think his creativity is going to allow them to move in a different direction because I think similar to Wales they really surprise people at the World Cup. Like yeah. we, we did not expect them to to end up where they did, and especially starting off with that first game against Italy, that feels like a really good opportunity for them to start the ball yeah. rolling and just build it. I think starting with Italy, it's going to be it's a big confidence booster, so that they can go in, I suppose, and make make the mistakes that they may have to make, figure things out, have that opportunity to get like points on the board, but also 
new tactics, new new setups, new mm. players in different positions. And I think, like you said, I think Marcus Witt will definitely be delighted to have <laughs> more. Well, he won't have to live, I suppose, in the shadow of yeah. Owen Farrell, which he's probably had to do the last couple of years. He's allowed to kind of play his own game kind of from now on. Um, whether or not that will suit everyone will kind of be mm. the question mark. Um, he also has Finn Smith, who'll mm. be from Sale, who'll be coming up behind him. Um, I've watched him in the last couple of weeks um, and he's from, like he's got some boot in him, yeah. I will say that. So he's he's definitely another one to kind of keep an eye on. Um, and like that, you know, I think it's just, it's a new era yep. kind of starting to kind of come in. And um, it's just, it's really good to see. It's really good to see other players get other like opportunities and to see what the future of England will look like. Because I suppose, like with Ireland, I think we've kind of gone down the same route again, which we'll probably come to in a second. Mm-hmm. But you know, to see England kind of having those shakeups, I know, like obviously losing like Courtney Laws and losing some kind of figureheads like Owen and stuff like that. Now, you know, but I think it's it's good to kind of um, bring new breath, fresh air, and especially going into a new World Cup cycle for sure, one hundred percent. Scotland. I just I have so many feelings about Scotland. <laughs> there it's their first Six Nations without Stuart Hogg. Obviously, mm-hmm. again, this is kind of a team. I feel we're in our regeneration era with a yeah. lot of the teams, and 2023 was one of their strongest Six Nations ever. And the first game against Wales is obviously very likely to have a lot of fireworks. It could go either way. I feel like with them because they yeah. have they have so much potential to build on last year. But we know that Scotland also sometimes just don't show up. They you know they implode. Is there a world where, you know, with an Ireland team that's ravaged by injury and a Wales that's struggling with a bit of an identity crisis, like could this be Scotland's year? Actually, I actually think it could. I've been watching a bit of um, like Ben Healy now and stuff like that. Mm. Who's gone in and it could be like their backup 10 and stuff and even how Finn Russell is playing with Bath yep. and stuff at the moment um, like Joe Vandermeer like he's fantastic you know so I think this is a really really good opportunity for themselves to kind of put out their markers and especially with I think with um, the Lions tour now coming up and mm. stuff I think this is a really good opportunity for them to kind of put their hand up for selection and I like you kind of it sounds awful but you kind of forget about Scotland sometimes I feel <laughs> you know it, it sounds really bad but like you know there's the whole drama about Ireland about France you know about like you know Wales and how WRU are treating their players and stuff like that like they've kind of been quietly mm. just working away a little That's bit true. you know Stuart Hogg left and there was that drama but I think that was even drama in itself it wasn't yeah. even related to the Scottish team mm-hmm. so I think they've been kind of quietly tipped away in the background mm. so it will be I think this is a good year for them to put down the kind of late, the pulpit or whatever and just like just go out enjoy it and yeah. see where they end up you know and there's again like there's youth coming in so sure. it'll be definitely interesting absolutely now France obviously they were bitterly disappointed let's be honest by you know the outcomes of of that World Cup they will be out for revenge and unfortunately we are facing them first so it's um, it's not the nicest ask to start out the tournament with I think they are I mean arguably arguably they're favourites aren't they going into this yeah like as hard as it to say and like it's funny I was I was thinking about the other day you know like about the whole no DuPont you know no Entmac and everything and like even like you know Entmac like he, he hasn't been fantastic the last while Ramos has been yeah. better you know Jalabert yeah. has been better 
unbelievable and like look going up against us is going to be probably one of their tougher games mm-hmm. I think but it is I think they're, but we've been fairly level though when you think about it and I think the whole World Cup thing we didn't see it coming we didn't think we'd be knocked out we thought it'd be us and France in that final yeah. you know yeah. who like none of us I think saw the, the two quarterfinal knockouts coming and no. stuff so I think this is their opportunity to kind of revenge for I sure. think for sure for the Six Nations and show them that we're kind of they're up there they're number one again you know and then I think the DuPont go off of sevens I think like Luku who's been kind of back up for him the last while mm-hmm. he also plays Bordeaux and he's been playing very very well so I think for him again it's like it's, I feel like I've said opportunities so many times so far. <laughs> but it's that opportunity that like so many players are retiring, so many players are injured, so many players are off doing their own thing that it is that opportunity for the, the seconds, the likes of Luca, the likes of Marcus Smith, Finn Smith, you know, to come in into that setup and be like, we are here, it is, it's our time. Yeah. You know, and I think we haven't had it the last couple of years because, you know, the teams have kind of been the same and mm-hmm. it's been, you know, the same Six Nations and it's going to be, you know... Like I did look at the Six Nations and I was like, it's either going to be really, really interesting in the sense that there's going to be so many different moving parts mm-hmm. or I was like, it's going to be boring that like, it's just going to be the two teams racing the whole yeah. way through. But like, thinking it as a whole scale of things, I think I'm I'm hopefully going for the whole, it's going to be interesting thing. Fingers crossed. We'll keep our fingers crossed for sure. Obviously finishing up with Ireland Grand Slam last year, new captain in Peter Romani we could talk the injury situation to death, but realistically, what do you think are our chances this year as we said regeneration era we know we know what the situation is for us it sounds really awful but I think it's going to be survival of the fittest mm. you know like even looking at the you know you've seen it with Monster as well like it's who can stay fit for the longest and yeah. look we have you know the likes of Calvin Ash coming through which I think is brilliant mm. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for him because he has been playing so well for Monster. so to see him get his go with it I'm absolutely I'm delighted for him um but yeah it's just it'll be interesting to see the difference between Johnny's leadership and Pete's leadership like when when Peter got um, captain I was like oh brilliant but I was also like the whole I feel like he's kind of been captain but not actually being captain he's kind of he's one of those characters yeah Yeah. he's been part of that leadership group so it'd be interesting to see how because like in the grand scheme things in the rugby team like captain is captain he'll talk to the ref but at the same time you have your pack leader with forwards for sure and then there will be a leader within the back crew it's usually the 10 who makes those calls because they are first receiver off scrum half yeah. um, so like Peter probably won't be making the nitty gritty calls that Johnny might have made while in gameplay mm. because he's with the forwards so it'll be interesting to see who will step up in that remark and then the other thing is you know is it, is it Jack Crowley's our new 10 yes. is it you know Harry Byrne you know Harry getting chosen obviously Ross is unfortunately injured so like like is this Harry's opportunity to shine mm-hmm. you know how it's, it's it's definitely it's really interesting in that sense to see what way the dynamic will go but then there's also the argument of I suppose looking at the team itself should Andy have maybe looked a bit further in selection you know do we really need Keane Healy coming back should he have mm. given more players opportunities that will be there for that World Cup in four years' time. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like as as much as it's um, like like as much as you love seeing, I hate saying the old guys, but like the older <laughs> the older generation of players still being in there and having that knowledge and having that like that thing to on, on like lean back on a little bit. You know, should Andy have put more 
youth in there. But then again, it's, it's the first Six Nations since World Cup. The I think it's going to, to be it's going to be either France or Ireland. You know, it's yeah. it is. I can't unlike unless something kind of ungodly something happens. Something magical happens, yeah. We'll have know. to we'll have to wait and see. Aoife, thank you for joining me for our Six thank Nations preview. Me. We'll hope you have hopefully have you on again in the next couple of weeks to chat about Definitely. the games themselves. For sure, for sure. When we actually have something Exactly some action to Thanks so much. <laughs> That's all for me this evening, folks. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you missed anything or want to listen back, the podcast will be available later this evening wherever you get your podcasts. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and stay tuned for Green on Red with Mags up next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.